Welcome to Let's Face the Facts. I'm David Almeida, and I'm your host for this rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. I'm an actor in Orlando, Florida, and every week I bring you some of the greatest talent in the Central Florida arts community. Join us as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show, episode by episode. Hey guys, welcome back. It's another week, another Wednesday, another show. Thank you for downloading and for pressing play. This week, my guest is Matthew Arder. You know it's going to be a fun time whenever Matthew is here, and I don't think you will be disappointed with the hilarity that is about to ensue. We have so many diesel engine moments, and uh, in case you're joining the show late or you haven't heard the earlier ones, there was a time when we decided every time there was a lesbianic reference for for Joe, we would just mimic the sound of a diesel engine horn and just go... <laughs> so we do that a lot in this episode, and we do that a lot when Matthew's around anyway, so... Uh, I hope you enjoy that as much as I did. Um, what else is going on this week? Oh, oh, I need to give a shout out to a new Tutti Fruity, Daryl P. Daryl P. Welcome to the family. But you know what? Daryl was already a member of the family. That's Daryl Pickett. Daryl's been on the show, I think, twice now. Daryl just recently relocated to Albuquerque. So he is no longer part of the Central Florida community. We're sad to lose him, but the good thing is we can always have him back on the show via Zoom. And uh, I thank him now that he's kind of moved on to new places. He's being a sweetie by supporting the show. If you want to be like Daryl, you can go to patreon.com slash face the facts pod and you can sponsor the show for as little as a dollar a month. Or if you sponsor at the $3 a month level, you get an additional monthly podcast that is just me and Matthew. It's called TV Talkaholics and it's pretty damn fun and funny. Also, since it is the holiday season, since people might be in a giving mood or whatever, I've been meaning to do this and just never got around to it, but I see other podcasters doing it, so what the heck. I've put up my Cash App, my Venmo, my PayPal, my Zelle information. I've put it all out there so that if you're not keen on making a monthly commitment to the show, but you just want to throw a few bucks at me to help defray costs of producing the show, you know any gifts are always welcome. And if you don't want to sponsor the show at all in any way financially, not to worry. I'm still going to be here, still doing the show. So let's get to this week's show. Matthew Arder and I watched Season 6, Episode 5, called Cruisin'. The original air date was October 31st of 1984. I think we're ready to jump on in. Let's face the facts with Matthew Arder. Well, here we are again. Hi, Matthew. David. Matthew. David. Matthew. It is one of the top five Facts of Life episodes, and we get to talk about it. Yes, I knew it was a favorite of yours. I knew you really, really love it. Am I, I wrong? Is it is it iconic or is it just iconic to me? Um, it is iconic for all the things that it is not. 
in in that it is so completely different. It is like no other episode in the entire nine year run. And for that, it just is so interesting and gives us um, ideas of what the show could have also been or could have also evolved to. So I I think it is. It's it's a landmark. Definitely, it's a landmark episode. I feel like even if people aren't fans like we are of the show, I feel like this is an episode that they remember. Uh, I would think so. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But we will we will talk about it. I want to talk about everything. And the beauty is, uh, there's not really much of a plot, so we don't have to be beholden to David's OCD. Uh, reenacting of every single comma and semicolon. I don't have my my three pages of notes this time. I have my page and a half. Okay. Um, but I also <laughs> typed in a smaller font than I normally do. So, because um, while there may not be much of a plot, there are plenty of holes in the plot that they've got. Oh, fuck yes. So. Those we will be talking about. So uh, we're talking, of course, about season six, episode five, Cruisin', and the original air date was October 31st of 84. Happy Halloween, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, we have this show written by, uh, I'm going to pause here. Matthew keeps moving his shoulders up and down. Matthew is so excited and happy about this. Well, and also because every time we say the title, I feel like it. Sh I hear cruising on a Sunday afternoon. That's what I hear in my head whenever we say the title of the show. <laughs> and and who sang that? Cruising I... on a Sunday afternoon. Why don't you ask Alexa? I'm uh, sure she'll tell you. No. <laughs> hey Alexa, play the song "Cruising." Cruising by Smokey Robinson from Apple Music. Smokey Robinson. Okay. I'm sure I've heard it. I'm sure I've heard the the Smokey Robinson version. I just could not produce it off the top of my head. But that's me and pop music. So this episode was written by one of my least favorite writers. I would venture to call him your um, your arch nemesis. <laughs> and honestly, that's that's a gross gross exaggeration. It was written by Paul Haggis. Paul has written, I think, one or possibly two episodes uh, previous to this. But as we've discussed at length, Paul Haggis wrote and produced Million Dollar Baby, the Clint Eastwood Hillary Swank movie in 2004, for which he was nominated for Best Screenplay. That year, do you know whom he lost to? Whom? <laughs> Sideways. What? Sideways, the Paul Giamatti. Uh, uh, that's that's me in movies between 1984 and and 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen a movie in a theater since Chicago in 1998. It, the movie Chicago was 02. Okay, there it was. Yeah, the revival, the Broadway revival opened in 98. Yes, and then in 2005, Paul wrote and produced and directed. A little movie called Crash, which is my big, ugh, this this is my review of it. Oh, it's just ugh. Yeah, I've said it before. We've talked at length at length. It's a movie about racism, mm -hmm. and it is a, as subtle as a chainsaw. It is as subtle as a Louisville slugger at the side of your head. 
Which I find hard to believe because, I mean, even his early work on Facts of Life is so solid. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean. We, we never have problems with his script work here. No. So I, it's amazing that you have such a problem <laughs> with it later. Or any script writer. In fact, yeah. I mean, these are all the future Pulitzer winners as far as I'm concerned. Um, but yeah, and the other, the extra salt in the wound of Crash not being a good movie, in my opinion, and it sweeping the Oscars, was that it was also the year Brokeback Mountain was up and Brokeback Mountain lost Best Picture. The only redeeming thing was that it did get Best Director for Ang Lee. And that movie. <sighs> no. Oh my God, I was so bored. No. Uh, I was so bored. Yeah, I, I don't know how they did the butt sex with no lube. That's when I got up and walked out. <laughs> I, I screamed to the theater. I said, what is wrong with you people? He just <laughs> ate beans and now he's gonna bottom? And I walked out. <laughs> I did the same thing when I went to see Titanic. Titanic. Yeah. At the very beginning, um, Jack Dawson smokes a cigarette with a filter. In 1912. How, how dare does he? you? How dare I totally you? missed that. Wow. They, did, they didn't have filtered cigarettes in when, the, when the Titanic went down. <laughs> Get out Another. of here, James Cameron. <laughs> I will say I much preferred the direct-to-DVD release, um, Bareback Mountain, <laughs> which was which is a little more my speed. And believe me, there were no beans being eaten on that set. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is, this is Paul Haggis. So he's written for the show before. Uh, landmark number one of the many, many landmark, different, weird, out-of-the-box things that are going to be happening this week. Director John. Boab, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. his first mm -hmm, the, mm -hmm. of many. Mm -hmm. He will mm -hmm. go on to do more episodes than anybody else who directs the Facts of Life, including Asad Kelada. This is now the beginning of the passing of the torch and the handing off when we go to this. It's either Asad Kelada or the occasional nobody. Now it's always John Boab and the occasional nobody along the way. Yeah. Previous to this, he had directed Soap. Benson, I'm a big girl now with the wonderful Diana Canova. Uh, bosom buddies, too close for comfort. It's a living. Give me a break. Double trouble. And after the facts of life, he would go on to direct Full House, Empty Nest, Family Matters, Cosby Show, Ooh. Ellen, Grace Under Fire. So he hasn't done much since 2008, according to IMDb. But at that point, doing the math, he was 75 years old. So Jesus. I would presume he has since retired. That's why we don't see that much of him. Uh, but he is still alive, 87 years old. Jesus. So, um, yeah, maybe we'll try to get him on the show. Maybe we'll see if he'll um, <laughs> contact Diana Eden, see if she can um, do that. Yeah. Close, per close personal friend, Diana Eden. Our close. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so are, are we ready to get to Matthew Arder's one to two sentence TV guide elevator pitch synopsis of this entire episode cruising um okay okay god damn it i didn't okay um all right all right this week on the facts of life the girls spend the night cruising there it is 
That's all and you gotta scene. say. That's, That's no, all you're you right. Say everybody. That's all you gotta say. Yeah. No. True. It's like yeah. Even TV Guide wouldn't even say trolling for the D or something like that. No. I might say like two D. Like you could also say. <laughs> I should start doing that for mine. Like finding the B plot and making that the story. So for this oh. one, I'll say. Tootie tries to win a radio contest. <laughs> That's my use that one. Use that one. Cut everything between there. Oh no, we're going to have one. we're going to have that whole process happen. That I want to keep that. It's like uh the the slices of life episode that I did with Rob Lott. It could be Mrs. Garrett attends a diet club meeting. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Blair wears satin pajamas and high-heeled slippers. Good idea. Stick with it. That's a bit. Make it a bit. I'm going to make it a bit. Yes. So the synopsis, they're, they're really, the, the what is amazing, this is like a Seinfeld episode where, yeah, there's little sub things going on, but there is not a plot as far as an, as an overarching, we are in, we are at point A. We have to arrive at point B, or we want something at point B, and we're dealing with the obstacles and complications in between it. This is just a slice of life, girls out in a car driving around for the entire episode. It's fascinating. And does it, does the writing give you the mindset of what cruising was? It was boring. It was stupid. <laughs> It it was it had it it ended when you all decided it ended. There was it was. Did you ever go cruising, David? No, I'm because I'm I'm under the age of seventy. I didn't think that was a thing. Did, did you did you cruise up in Fort Wayne, Indiana? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we cruised, but if we, we were the only ones cruising. Okay, gotcha. Everybody else is just going about their lives while Emma and I, my best friend since I'm born, um, sat in my car, my Beretta. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Chevy Beretta! And we would drive, and I love that fucking car. I, if I could still have that car, I would. Oh, that Beretta was so goddamn cool. Um, it, had hot, it had doorknobs on the side. You pulled them. Anyway. <laughs> but we would cruise, but like, so it was like, I would pick her up. We would have points that we would need to go hit throughout mm -hmm. the town. Um, and then like every once in a while on Saturday nights, people would meet in this parking lot with old cars and open their engines or open their lids or, or what do you call that on a car? The, the, the hood? The hood. They would open <laughs> their hoods or it'd be like, remember back in the nineties when like, souping up your truck was kind of a thing like oh yeah so it was like cars like that with their hoods open in a parking lot like but there was no like yeah nobody was cruising in fort wayne indiana <laughs> yeah it sounds to me like what you were calling cruising was just going for a joy ride just out driving and yeah. looking around yeah because my thing is like apparently it was a thing where if multiple people were doing it, you drive past a car, you just circle the block and suddenly like, hey, how you doing? What's going? What school you go to? But I think I mean, in college towns, I think it might be a thing. Oh, okay. Or was, a, was a thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Before Tinder. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And my thing is that where I come from, being from the Northeast and particularly being, you know, in a fairly urban suburb of Boston, 
we were taught stranger danger and things like I, I, to this day, am not a person who typically talks to strangers at stop signs and stoplights. I don't oh take God. a peek. I don't who look does? to the side. I don't take a peek and see and say, okay, any, anybody hot in the car next to me, I might wink or make a, a blowjob gesture to just in case. Oh, you no. don't? You don't? <laughs> Do you? In a car situation? Yeah, I look over and see who's just pulled up next to me at the stoplight. It might be fucking... It might be it might be Channing Tatum. You don't know <laughs> Carrot Top, or um, and if it's Carrot Top, I'm like mm, it's Carrot Top. I'll tell you what I think of when I think of cruising. I think of the 1980 William Friedkin movie starring Al Pacino as a cop who infiltrates the gay leather scene in New York City to try and catch a serial killer who is killing gay men. Do you remember this movie, Matthew? Did you no, see this movie? I sure don't. I sure don't. Do you remember a movie called Interior Leather Bar? That I uh, sure don't. That's a movie James Franco made talking about uh, the idea that there was allegedly 40 minutes of footage that had to be cut out of cruising because Friedkin, oh, Friedkin yes. the director, the writer-director, did show some pretty graphic stuff in the leather bars going on like he didn't it wasn't like porn where you could see dicks in mouths or butts but yeah. you could see guys in the corner and another guy kneeling in front of them you see yeah. a dude in a sling and a guy thrusting yeah. you know in it, it, it was tasteful filth really it it was skinamax remember oh, skinamax yeah. <laughs> yes yes <laughs> but the deal is um it skinamax was after dark after dark <laughs> Silk stockings. Would you ever watch those movies, though? Oh, that was the only thing I had to whack it to when I was <laughs> exactly. a kid. Are you kidding me? You're just watching. They were just awful. Like, you just like, oh, my. I can't. Anyway. Yeah, there was like one of them. The validity of porn. <laughs> yeah. There was one show called Eros America. I think it was on. It might have been Showtime or the Movie Channel or Skinamax, but it, at one point, one of the it was like a magazine show. So one of the stories was about male uh, models for Playgirl, whatever. And throughout the course of it, there were like two shots. There were two shots where you saw a naked dude full frontal. All the rest was tasteful, was butts, it was above the waist, yeah. and I wore out that vhs tape watching the two because that's all i had was these like you know guy just laying there and you see the flash of the camera taking a picture i was like ah! all right it's all i needed when i was 14 or whatever anyway. um but you realize cruising is a play on words because a cop you know goes cruising on the beat they they cruise their beat and then cruising is also a common term for in our lifetime cruising more means like i'm going to the balcony at the parliament house and see what's happening like yeah it's it's it was it's like what <laughs> grinder is now but in real person in yeah. irl as the kids say mm -hmm. uh -huh. so cruising in a heterosexual framework in a car framework to me it is weird because whenever some like a, an older person you know a parent or a um a, a, an aunt or an uncle would say oh i remember back we used to go cruising down main street in brockton and i'm like you you were you were looking for butt sex with a leather daddy what oh okay 
okay, Aunt Midge, I just learned more about you than I wanted to know. Anywho, that's, um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Any listeners out there, comment on the show, comment on the, the website and let me know. Was cruising a thing where you were? Because it wasn't so much in Brockton, Massachusetts in the 80s. I, I'm, I'll just say it there. Yeah. But what's fascinating about this show, though, Matthew, is technologically speaking, the show rarely went outside of the studio. True. And by my observation, and, and debate this if you disagree, it looks to me like they are legitimately driving around. Nancy McKeon is truly driving the car. And it seems to me like they probably have a, a crew attached to the front of the car. Yeah, obviously. And, and filming from the front. There are cars also that are attached to the backs of trucks, so the actors don't really drive. They're just pretending to drive because the, the front vehicle is guiding it. That is what I think is happening. You think so? I'm, yeah. My only thing is that the camera is so shaky. The idea that maybe because I guess if they're on the front truck and they're bobbing around and maybe. Yeah, maybe it's on right. the hood, but J Nancy McKeon isn't driving. It's being, she's being towed. By, you think like, you think it's that's what's going on there? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And also, they're clearly driving around the Universal Studios back lot. <laughs> <laughs> I like, wondered. I I don't know what that looks like, but it it did occur it's to like me. Every back lot, it's got a neighborhood. It's got a movie gas theater, station. It's got the hill valley. It's yeah. got all of that. Anyway. I but, wondered if there were landmarks here that people would recognize. I was like, so with the with the few landmarks we do see, I'm like, is this LA? They're trying to shoot LA as peak skill. And it was it was very, yeah. very weird. Yeah. And whenever we had these the exterior shots of just the car or cars, yeah. director John Boab, uh, smartly, you just see like silhouettes and headlights. Like you see nothing around it that might reveal that we're not in upstate New York. Right. It's it's in the dark, yeah. Truly. But a um, lot of a lot of stock footage as well. Like they go by a movie theater that's showing irreconcilable differences. <laughs> and um where's uh what's the other one? Um oh, oh and God bless it. It has Rocky Horror Friday and Saturday at midnight. That's back yeah. in the day when people were doing the Rocky Horror show. So, um, yeah, so we're, we're driving around. This is out of the studio. You can see the light kit reflected in the hood of the car sometimes. So it's, you know, it's clearly somewhat fabricated, but we have no laugh track. Nope. No laugh track and a location shoot. Clearly there are lights inside the car to illuminate that always, that's that's one of those Hollywood tropes yeah. always gets me is let's get into this car, hope they don't see us, but then there's full lighting yeah. on the inside to make sure you can yeah. see them. Um, yeah, it's uh, supposedly Blair's father's car. Yeah. And it's a Cadillac, I believe, am I right? Sure, uh, my, car <laughs> is, my car is red, that's all I can tell you. <laughs> I, I don't I my dad was one of those people that would watch a show and be like, oh, that's 73 Thunderbird. And yeah. I, was like, I don't fucking know how you know that. And I don't care. Yeah. But, but here I can look at a Broadway show poster and go be like, oh, that's from the revival in, <laughs> in 87. 
that's not the original. I told somebody on Facebook, they posted a photo of their Hello Dolly album and the back of it. And I said, you have the um, second pressing because <laughs> the first pressing um, has pictures like anyway. And I was like, shut up, Matthew. Um, but yeah, but, but are, we are going to go through the episode though, aren't we? Yeah, I yeah. Have, okay, We're still good. touching okay. on the, the generalities. Okay. Is okay. that one of the, the um, uh, what am I trying to say? The conceits of the show is that mm. Blair has been given the opportunity to borrow her dad's car. So her dad in New York City, mm. it has a license plate of Warner 3. So you figure it's probably his third car because he's a rich old white motherfucker. Um, but it's a brown Cadillac. And I'm sorry, in the 80s, a brown Cadillac, that was such a dad car. That was not, it wasn't like, we've got this sweet set of wheels. Let's go cruising. We're gonna get attention. It's not like a Thunderbird or a Corvette or DeLorean. You know what I'm saying? Okay, okay. yeah, yeah. Like it's, my grandparents had a Fifth Avenue. Yeah, it's like this giant purple fucking magenta. Yeah, <laughs> limo that my grandma used to ride in the back end. I don't want anybody to think I'm with him. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> my dad had a series of Lincoln Continental Mark Sevens, Mark Sixes, Mark Sevens, which is like I was like, Dad, you are a little silver-haired old man in New Smyrna Beach driving a Lincoln Mark Seven. You are a bigger stereotype than I am. I don't know what I can't picture what that means. It just big ass old person car. Okay, got it. like like a Cadillac got it. in 1984. Okay, got it. <sighs> yeah, and I mean, and again, well, at least it's brown. At least it's a attention, an eye catching color of brown. <laughs> it, it, why wouldn't it have been a sportier? Unless they needed the room to shoot it, I guess. But why couldn't? I mean, they could have used any car. <laughs> Am I right? Have. Yes. I, I I don't. Maybe they didn't want the car to upstage them. I mean, it's like a beige brown, so it kind of blends into the background. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's and it's not difficult to light. I mean, it's beige. It's the background. It's the background. Maybe, maybe a lighting designer would, would be able to. I'm making shit up. I don't know. <laughs> they could have absolutely, they could have used a fucking Flintstone mobile. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the better part of it. So the conceit is Blair has her dad's car because her Porsche is in the shop. Blair has a Porsche, but I got this sweet Cadillac I'm gonna cruise around in. And we get back to this old thing. Does Blair have a car? Does Blair not have a car? Sometimes she does, sometimes she doesn't. And that's been a constant gnawing dilemma I've been facing throughout seasons five and six, Matthew. Okay. It has become, especially with John Boab, it has become this season, because this is the first episode filmed for the season. Oh, no, 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 no. I lied. I lied. I lied. This is um, the fourth episode filmed, but this is the first episode with where Tootie has her braces off. Correct. So we've watched three episodes now of season six or however many with her with her braces on. And now this one, she shows up 
without her braces on. Yeah. And they will come back on and or then no. come off again. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was trying yeah. to say. Yeah. Um, this is filmed later. And this is shown earlier than some other episodes due to the Nancy McKeon contract talks and the shuffling yeah. of the deck, as it were. Yeah. But why is Joe driving? <laughs> well, she states like, it very clearly, Matthew. Why? The girls are like, Natalie is horny Natalie. Natalie's like, boys, 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 want to get the D, want to get the D. I wrote, down, horn, I wrote down horny Natalie is the star of this episode. Oh, fuck yes. Absolutely. <laughs> but we've got Tootie and Blair also. Blair's kind of in this thing of, you know, not wanting to be seen cruising. Joe right. explicitly says when they're like, hey, hey, Joe, aren't you excited? Might meet a guy or something. And Joe says, uh, don't look at me. I'm just here to drive. <laughs> oh, get the diesel horn ready because this might as well have been called cruising. Joe's coming out episode. <laughs> that sh that should have been my God damn it. That should have been my my synopsis. Just, oh dear, too late. I'm not going back and editing it. But uh, yeah, the why is Joe driving? Because it's like, well, she certainly ain't gonna be out, you know, trolling for D. No, but it. I mean, but later on in the episode, it for what happens, this one little story arc would have made much more sense if Blair were driving. How so? When when, when Joe turns off the car without putting it in park and then oh. doesn't realize it's in park or yeah. not in park to start the car. Would have made so much more sense if Blair were driving and she could have the whole time been like, um, you know, worried about hurting her dad's car. That could have been a whole plot point. Because like if your dad let you borrow the car, if you brought it back with a scratch on it. Oh, yeah. I don't care how rich you are. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That could have been. And then so. Blair trying to hide because Blair's arc for all intents and purposes uh. is... Uh, I'm out cruising with my friends, but I don't want anyone to see that I'm out cruising with my friends. Right. Uh, and so she's like ducking down and looking like she's eating Joe's pussy and things like that. <laughs> but that is <laughs> I have that note. <laughs> I have that note. <laughs> I know. But the thing is, if she had also the task of I have to be driving, but I'm trying to cover my face, that's that could have been some fun physical physical stuff for Blair to be like, you know, exactly. trying to drive without your eyes over the steering wheel. It's like, you're gonna fucking crash, bitch. Exactly. But yes, Blair thinks it's beneath her. She says, and I'm quoting the episode now, cruising is seedy. Only hicks and street people do it. Joe, nice little yeah. dig at Joe about it being, you know, a poor people's thing that you do. And that's when Joe says, don't look at me, I'm here to drive. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, so Blair's plot is really just her trying to not be seen. Her making, it it, it angered me when they get to the drive-in and order their meals and then they have to squat down. I'm like, people, anything that impedes the enjoyment of food is offensive to me. So the fact that they're all laying down, Blair insisted that they're laying down while they're handing out the burgers. I'm like, bitch, you, you need to walk home. You need to, you need to simmer down now. Well, and my whole thing with her not wanting to be seen, she sees somebody that she knows and she's like, she's going to tell everybody. But that person was out cruising. Yeah. To and, see her. So it's not even a plot point. And unless like, they see you twice, how do they know you're not going somewhere? It's like, what? how do you? Because you're driving 15 miles an hour down Main Street. Yeah. 
asking guys to show them their dicks. Yeah. But uh, so that's what Blair's thing is. Joe's Joe's plot line is, yeah, she's just driving, and mm-hmm. then she gets temporarily stupid when they stop, and Joe thinks that the battery is dead and that they're stranded. So we have this little short bit of, oh my God, we're stranded. What are we going to do? And uh, who will we eat first? No, they don't say that. So the the episode opens. Yes. um, For some reason on the radio, a karaoke version of Sugar Pie Honey Bunch. Mm -hmm. I don't know why it's the, 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 um, not the four tops. Yeah. It's, like, I can't help myself. Yes, is the actual were, title. Yes, were there <laughs> were there radio stations that played karaoke versions of <laughs> no, songs? It, no, it was. Pl- I mean, there were lyrics. They were singing it. It just wasn't the original album version. But it was the girls only singing. No, I think they were singing along. I felt like they were singing completely. Huh? I I didn't hear another voice, a lead voice, in there from the radio. Well, if you did, and I do think it's there, but I'm, I am I can't 100% say that. The thing is, I'm pretty sure that none of the songs in this episode are the recordings by the original artists. So you're not hearing the four tops. Later, when you hear hot stuff, it is definitely not Donna Summer. And later, when we have Dancing Queen, it ain't the ABBA recording. Not an ABBA recording I ever heard. I think that is Lisa Welchel. Do you? It's, yes, it sounds like Lisa's singing voice. Oh, now that yeah. I need to hear again. Yeah. But what that is, uh, that's our royalties. Of course I do. <laughs> Shut up. For pleasure. For, for pleasure, not verification. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. I think the music is, it's a music rights thing where- Oh, completely. It costs a certain amount of money to license a song, but it costs more money to license the original recording by the original artist. And oftentimes it's cheaper just to pay to license the song and throw a studio singer into a box with a karaoke track, and then you've got it in your show, and it's a lot cheaper. Yeah. So yeah, so what next? Um. Blair sees her friend, Joe's admiring cars, cheap joke with, that's just a cheap joke though for Blair or for Joe. Like, look at that body. What, who, where? 56 Corvette. Ha See, even your Joe is better than mine. Um, <laughs> you even play Butch better than me, David. Um, <laughs> but my favorite thing is, my favorite is the, now the, ble- the B plot line is presented to where, Tootie is entering radio call-in contests. She is obsessed. Do you remember those though, David? Oh God, yes. And it's call-in and be my fifth caller. This is the phone number. And when this song starts, be my seventh caller or whatever. How many times I called in to 68 RKO in Boston, trying to win the soundtrack to Greece and never could fucking get through. And that was a toll call from Brockton. God damn it. And nobody questioned, like, how do we know it's the fifth caller? How I do know. I know? <laughs> how do I know if I'm the fifth caller or not? All he's doing is picking up going, 95.1, magic. And you go, am I the fifth caller? <laughs> no. Click. Yeah, click, yeah. And the 10th one, it's like, hey, you sound pretty. Get together one, later. One of the best ones, and I was on the radio. I'll have you know. Were this, you? <laughs> this exists somewhere. Um, at the age of, like, nine probably the local magic 95.1 in fort wayne 
they would do Friday night sing for your request. Mm. So the people mm. calling in, you know how they're always like, hey, this is 95.1. And then you hear what is actually a recording mm-hmm. of the phone call yeah. and them go and them going, hey, this is Jim from Fort Wayne. And you're <laughs> like, oh, God. And they would have you sing for your request. And I called one time and they go 95.1. And I go, hello, this is Cher. I'd like to sing for my request. <laughs> and I shit you not. <laughs> I shit Did they you put not. you on? I shit you not. The woman goes, oh, shit, hang on. I got to record this one. <laughs> and what did so, you sing? Did, you, did um, they put it on? I, yeah, it was just her going... Um, I guess everybody's hearing about the sing for your request. Who's this? This is Cher. I'd like to sing for my request. And I sang, I got you, babe. Oh. <laughs> and you were 10. Oh, like probably nine or 10. Yeah. Completely. <laughs> even yeah. I didn't do, I was obsessed with Cher at that point. I, I didn't even do a Cher impression until many, many years later. That is so amazing. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. She, so she's there, like ans- asking questions. Like sometimes mm-hmm. it was just, it's just like, and it might still be like, I don't listen Trivia. to regular radio, but like they'll say, like, you know, just out of nowhere, it'll be like 95.1. I got a prize for the fifth caller. And then you find out it's like tickets to the zoo or something, <laughs> which are actually already free. <laughs> it was, I remember one of them was, um, uh, it was a uh, name the singer of the next song and we'll be, uh, you know, and be my fifth caller and name the singer of the next song and you'll win a free copy of the newest uh, Van Halen album or something. And yeah. they play a song. And I remember one time my sister was like, she was like Tootie in this. There was, she was obsessed <laughs> with trying to win something on the radio. My brother and, was too. My brother and, was too. And then you'd hear, we we're listening on the radio and you hear a pre-recorded phone call. It was Peter Frampton. Yeah, that's right. You've won the new album. And my sister like stomped down the hallway and slammed her door and did yeah. not come out of her room. She was so goddamn mad. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And it's just because she wanted to win something. Tootie doesn't even care about winning something. What is the prize, David? Uh, is it ticket? It's not tickets. It's tic- tickets to the ABBA reunion tour. Oh, my Of God. which there wasn't one in, in 1984. Ah, uh, I didn't research that. <gasps> so I Good don't know. know why <laughs> they wouldn't say someone that the girls might actually be interested in. How many times have we mentioned Springsteen? How many times has Springsteen come up? And Natalie used to have a picture of Rick Springfield over her bed, uh, up over the cafeteria. Or Jermaine Jackson. uh, Fuck yes. (laughs) Or um, Jermaine's brother. You know, the other guy that had a singing career? What's his name? No idea. No, I I can't think of it. I'll have to, I'll I'll talk to Alexa. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, Tito. Tito, of course. Yeah, Tito Jackson. Would have been great. Yep. But yeah. But the yeah, ABBA so reunion, yeah, because 84, ABBA was not it. In the no. 80s, ABBA was off the radar. They were old hat. They had already they broken up and were gone. Like, it'd been, yeah, it'd been a yeah. while. But and, then and she nostalgia, says- The nostalgia for the 70s hadn't happened yet. It was in the 90s when ABBA made this right. huge comeback. And thank but God we are did. to believe, we are to believe that 
um, Tootie, is this educated about music that she could think she's winning this? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, she's like, she's like, knows the answer right away to the question they asked. The answer is Linda Ronstadt, for Christ's sake. <laughs> and I know from, from personal experience, every 14-year-old girl in 1984 was very interested in Linda Ronstadt's next <laughs> album. Um, Jesus Christ. Yeah. They just, but, oh, if she would just hurry up and finish that Broadway run in Joe Papp's Pirates of Penzance yeah, and get yeah. back to that pop music career that I, yeah. as a tween, am so, so hungry mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she says, Natalie says, what do you care about winning tickets to ABBA? She goes, I love ABBA. And she says, name one of their songs. You can't name one ABBA song? Bad. She couldn't name one? Bad writing. Like, she's supposed to be Bad, 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 bad. I don't know. I thought maybe, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. And the only thing I could even, and you know, I am not willing to cut any slack to Mr. Haggis, uh, but the deal is maybe the purpose of that was for Tootie to say, okay, maybe I'm not, it's not about the tickets and it's not about the ABBA. Okay. I'm I'm lying to you, Natalie, my best friend, mm-hmm. because the real reason I want to win this contest is I want to hear them say my name yeah. on the radio. And that's just too revelatory. I cannot be that vulnerable with yeah. you, Natalie Green, and admit that truth to you. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Paul Haggis. <laughs> Again, a funnier plot line would have been if she had spit that out right away for the rest of the show for if she had been like why do you even care because i want to hear my name on the radio yeah <laughs> and then it's like, like that's a perfectly normal thing i, I want to hear my name on the radio what? yeah totally and then the funny other thing another of its time not just listening to the radio on the radio not just the call-in contests but if you're driving around it was constantly joe pull over there's a phone booth i have yeah. to call from a phone booth give me dimes i need fucking dimes which i have a question <laughs> about the dimes coming up i have a, i have a question about the dimes because, ask it now i want to hear well um she took she says after linda ronstadt she gets back in the car she wasn't the fifth caller and she says um she took her only dime um she had to ask a bum for change. Oh, yeah, that yeah, that um, that does sound familiar. Yeah, and um, but yet later on, I feel like when they're paying, I feel like I remember to Natalie. They say go through two D stuff, and she goes one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight dimes. You're right. It's edited out of the syndicated version. I oh. Guess. Okay, but, I, but the Roku version showed the full, yeah, version, yeah, which is like what the I DVD. Love about it. Yeah, I mean, if there is an inconsistency in this episode, Matthew, yeah, I'm sure that's the only one. Yeah. Um. So we've covered pretty much Tootie's uh, storyline, Joe yeah. and Blair, uh, Natalie. Let's let's talk about Natalie's storyline. Perfect timing, David, because at this point in the episode, they get mooned, <laughs> and Natalie. And Natalie loves it. Loves it. She's like, look at those furry bungholes <laughs> winking at us. Look at that hot frat ass. Uh, <laughs> I would not be mad if a, t- if a car full of frat guys mooned me, would Mm-mm. you? 
Oh, what's I mean, wrong with that? But the joke is, what's the joke, David? I I don't remember. Did you watch David? Did you watch this episode? <laughs> and I, yes. I'm a. It's little, been a while. <laughs> I'm a little worried about your copious note taking. Seems to be laxing. Well, I d- I deliberately much. didn't do that plot 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 thing because of um. <laughs> And because the one I time thought I do. I know the one time you do. It's so funny. I love it. So what's the joke? Um, the joke is um, they get mooned. <laughs> Natalie is chagrined. <laughs> and Tootie says, I think I know that guy. Oh, I don't remember that. That's awesome. That's a and funny that, joke. It, it's a good look. So, but that's when they get pulled over by the cops. Like when they, and then they try to get away from somebody and they're like, we're at a stoplight. And Blair says, just run it. And you go, that's all I needed to hear. <laughs> well, and then looks like they... that Polnicek girl's got herself in another jam. <laughs> because the cop lights take us into commercial. Correct. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. In Blair trying to avoid being seen by somebody. Yeah. Joe does a U-turn at a red light and that's yeah. when the couples are over. But thank God when we come back from commercial, we learn that they lied to the cop and who is our most morally questionable character? Natalie, who apparently faked a pregnancy and that she was in labor. Did you see the way I bit down on the seatbelt? <laughs> <laughs> I will say- I Not a fat not- joke. No, but I've got to give it to Mindy Cohen because she stole this episode from the back seat. Mm, she true. was able to upstage them by sitting in the back seat. Good for her. Good yes. for her. No, she was funny. I wish the jokes were funnier that she had to deliver, but she she always gives it her all, really. Um, oh, oh, another thing at the movie theater when they pass it, Irreconcilable Differences is in one of the uh, cinemas. The other theater is showing... All of me, Steve Martin, oh. Lily Tomlin movie. Oh, what a wonderful movie that you I, just don't see. Why isn't that in heavy rotation? Like agreed. On? It is such a sweet movie. I love that movie. Oh. I think I think we've talked. I need to show it to the kids. Like I think I think Austin and Justin have not seen it. So oh, we need. I to wish watch. we could find a way to. Mm, if only there were a that. way to access movies on demand. You know, bitch. All of me ain't there. I, it's one of those movies I check Roku for. Oh, it's do you? nowhere. So, uh, Natalie, backseat. Um, let's. Um, oh, so let's let's talk a little bit more about the music. I think it's very clear they were going for an American graffiti vibe. They were trying to give oh, us yeah. this sense of oh, the simplicity of youth, the carefree days that these girls are still living to an extent, and um, that's where all the songs come in. So after they go to this drive-in and there's this whole thing of, like I said, Blair ruining dinner, which is just offensive to me, um, they end up running off and not paying their tab. And I'm like, yes, restaurants, I imagine this is just a fucking TV trope where you either leave the restaurant or cut to you having to wash dishes all night. Whoa. It's like restaurants have something in place where it's like, ah, I thought I had money and I don't. Can I give you my name and my phone number? I promise I'll come tomorrow. 
you know, Blair could leave her fucking credit cards with them. They don't take Diners Club? Well, I'm leaving the card with you as collateral that I promise I'll be back to pay you the cash and give me back my credit. I mean, there had to have been... You want me to leave a diner's club card with a, a waitress at a at a at a walk up food joint? Uh, the manager. I, I would I would ask for to speak a, to the for manager. A five, for a five dollar bill. Because that, that was what I wrote down is one of my un, the unfortunate tropes I find with TV shows is like, especially around this time period where it's like 75 cents is just so much money to them. Or like <laughs> three dollars. Like yeah. Like that, episode where she, um like when tootie the pizza episode I, you took my 38 dollars in sock but it took me all summer to collect that yeah 38 dollars <laughs> it took you like why like i don't know why anyway and they can't and they can't scrape together 75 cents yeah. it's 1984 this is the period of time in history when you had to walk around with cash if yeah. you were ever going to pay for something yeah it's like nowadays sure that would totally be a plot now where it's like yeah. what do you mean they don't take plastic okay apple pay you don't take apple fuck right. what would yeah. we do i never carry I mean, cash my financial guy i had to write him a check oh my god and i said <laughs> i i haven't had a checkbook in 10 years <laughs> i said do you want me to send it up on my dinosaur because <laughs> it's not i had to go and get a fucking money order Oh at my a 7-Eleven. At a that 7-Eleven. Is, that is crazy. Like, you know, I had a I had a, a home inspection recently. And, you know, it's like he was like, Venmo me the money. Just like send it to him personally. It's just I'm just a one-man band. Just Venmo. Yeah. It's like the, the cash is becoming so much more uh, sparse. Um, I can't remember the last time I touched cash. So, so uh, when they so, pulled yeah, the, in. The, you had something about the, the drive-in? Yeah, the food thing, the whole food ordering and everything. Mm -hmm. Joe ordered, they order the usual. <laughs> they frequent Joe, this dive. Joe knows Blair's usual. Oh, I and, see what you mean. Joe knows her. Oh, okay. Joe can order for her lady. And the end, and when they, um, the order is, and I quote, two Phil burgers. Two Philly chilies, two strawberry shakes, and a Coke, and an order of fries. Two strawberry shakes and a Coke. Okay. Somebody's not getting a drink unless Joe and Blair are sharing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget the two straws. <laughs> and, and when they get the food, they're all crouched down except Joe. So they start passing it back and forth without looking. You just yeah. see their hands. Offensive. Blair doesn't end up, or Blair immediately passes her food because her face is in Joe's puss puss. <laughs> she is getting her tummy full of some Joe juice. <laughs> to quote you, <clears throat> but it is very interesting how uh it's like yeah gee i oh i see somebody i know better put my head down la 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 yeah, la, 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 la. yeah. i yeah. see somebody i know i don't want them to see me cruising but they might see me eating your pussy 
maybe maybe it's forward thinking that it's it's better to be gay in 1984 peak skill than <laughs> than cruising. Um, so they run into Mrs. Garrett. I was you dude, you read my mind. I was about to say, so who's the star of our show anyway? Mrs. Garrett, Charlotte Ray. She is in the episode. But I think it was like she filmed her scene in 10 minutes on a day when the girls weren't there because you do not see them together. No. When Mm-mm. they do Mrs. Garrett's scene, I don't think she was talking to any of the girls. I yeah, think that could have been she, done. Yeah. On a because the yeah. only shot that they do um, is the guy pulling away. And I think I think it's blue screen, but you don't see Edna's face. You just see her hand go up and wave. Yeah. Like you don't see her face. So yeah. it's like weird. But um she's and, there and, with a guy who owns a gym. His name is Dirk and he's a hundred. And he's <laughs> he looks like Caesar Romero's older brother. Yes. Oh, Silver Fox. Not unattractive, but no. Oof. But really he owns a gym. Yeah. Come he's... on, Edna. What kind of <laughs> flexibility you got going on? I mean <laughs> she goes to her diet club. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, that's the plot is the, oh, look, there's Mrs. Garrett. Gee, I didn't imagine we'd find her here. And look at her. She's in the car all alone. Isn't yeah. that sad? Eating and a corn dog. Eating a corn dog. Uh, uh, <laughs> practicing for later. <laughs> and then when they like, hi, Mrs. Garrett. Like, hi, Mrs. Garrett. And she's like, oh. And they're like, mm, you having a good time? She's like, yeah, I'm here on a date. I'm getting me some later yeah. from this silver fox going to lay the pipe in the fiery bush. <laughs> Might even let loose her balloon knot. <laughs> so they just <laughs> they decide they can't pay their bill and they got to pull out here and they take off. And what better place to hide from the, I'm sure manhunt that is going on for them (laughs) leaving a college fucking restaurant without paying a bill that doesn't happen no so they take off and they hide where else in a closed gas station yeah in out in the open it's just it's a darkened closed gas station and there's a car parked in it with four illuminated teenagers totally inconspicuous Uh, wow but with this, with them just chilling and saying, this is this is them, we're, we're laying low for a while, you know, yeah. till the heat blows over kind of a thing. And you remember and then, gas stations that closed? That, uh, Do you remember? Yeah. Day yes, that is, that is definitely a thing of the past, isn't it? <laughs> but then we get, I think, oh. one of the loveliest moments. It is uh on the radio they start playing you've lost that loving feeling by not the righteous brothers no by it's if it's the righteous brothers it's the lesser known righteous brothers uh tim and billy bob uh but blair has just been brushing her hair like blair does and as they're just sort of chilling and the music comes on they just start singing along and sing along more and blair's singing into her hairbrush and even joe kind of starts to soften and melt a little bit and she sings into Blair's hairbrush if you mm-hmm. know what I'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> and but what ha- it starts with Joe starts it 
and Blair's she does. Like, Blair's like, oh, we're singing, and looks her through her into her soul <laughs> when she sings the line, "If you could only love me like you used to do." Dum, 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 looks through Joe into her soul and is basically saying, we're doing it tonight. <laughs> uh, it's it, like, it is the, the leaning in and getting their faces, using the hairbrush as a device to get their faces and their mouths open la, ha, ha, mm-hmm. as they're singing. Mm-hmm. Um, here's my question. This moment goes on for nearly two minutes. It's mm-hmm. a long, beautiful, stretch of of breathing room where we don't have to do any jokes we don't have to we can just let them be them and it's so magnificent why do we never see it in the opening credits or do we is it coming up later we do they do add the they do add it to the opening credits in this season or later i don't know but i do remember seeing it in the credits Okay, we'll be watching for it because I don't recall and I'm looking at it going, this is two minutes of footage. You can find three seconds <laughs> that you could stick yeah. in to the opening theme so easily compared to some of the other clips they show where you're like, really? Yeah. But it's, it is such a beautiful moment. It made my heart sing. Just four friends in a car singing their asses off to a song on the radio. And God, the this- memories. To this day, when this song, if I ever am listening to the radio or Amazon music or whatever, and this song comes on, to this day, I still do the don't, 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 don't. (laughs) If I'm in my car, I'm doing Natalie's um, don'ts because they're not in the song. And I will do the point. Don't, don't. (laughs) Matthew is pointing right at me, right at the camera. And Trivial Pursuit, Matthew, who? sang backup on that recording of You've Lost That Loving Feeling, the original. Future famous singers. Oh my God, I don't know. Sonny and Cher. Oh. Mm-hmm. They were they were all Phil Spector people. So they're stuck out in the middle of nowhere. It's four <laughs> girls in a car. They just ate two Philly chilies. <laughs> Natalie, she goes, there could be somebody out here in the dark. What if it's... <laughs> She says, I just think this word is so funny. She goes, what if it's a pervert? (laughs) (laughs) A pervert. (laughs) That word just makes me laugh. (laughs) That is funny. What if it's a pervert? Because that is is such an overarching (laughs) concept. Oh. oh, sorry. Okay, so where we are now is they're like, okay, we've been here. We've lip synced a song for two minutes. Clearly, yeah. you know, they're not going to be looking for us anymore. We are in the clear with the law. Right. The so manhunt we... has clearly been called off. <laughs> <laughs> the case has gone cold. Thank yeah. God. And so they they try to leave. And then, yeah. Then what? Um, Joe turn, goes to turn on the car and it won't start. Mm-hmm. And Blair gets upset. And then she go. Blair points out, don't you have to be in park to, to get a car, that car? Because we're supposed to believe that Joe <sighs> turned off an automobile without putting it into park uh, and yeah. has been sitting there in what gear 
without her foot on the brake. Yeah, it's I mean, I remember my dad, I, I had my first car was a station wagon that had been my dad's. When you're not in park and the engine's off, you know, from the way the key clicks in the the, yeah. the ignition. Especially, I know. So Joe should know. Yeah, thank you. If two queer boys. <laughs> if two gays who love the facts of life enough to make a podcast about it. No, Joe on the facts of life. should. <laughs> But yeah, but they do think the initial uh, diagnosis is, well, we ran down the battery because we sat here singing. We, we had the car on for two minutes, lip syncing that song. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. With the light on, the overhead yeah. light on. But they are able to drive away. Thank God Joe is just temporarily stupid. They pull off into the back lot of Universal Studios. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then they say, what time is it? And someone says midnight yeah uh, how long have they been <laughs> it's like really it was a night it was a saturday night i guess yeah what but, else were you gonna do i guess but then blair says blair now after yeah. all that she's been through yeah. one of her final lines is hmm i have to admit i was kind of hoping to meet someone special yeah and that is completely inconsistent with everything else she's been doing did they really meet people like cruising like i i again i don't know it's completely yeah. foreign to me but then that is literally a line they just put in there so that joe could respond with uh yeah at which point they're all like oh there's yeah. a story here horny natalie wants to hear this story oh yeah She's like thinking it's going to be like a penthouse letters kind of thing. <laughs> I never thought I'd be writing before. And I never imagined something like this would ever happen to me. <laughs> penthouse forum. Isn't that what it was called? Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah. Damn it. And then she walked up to me in the subway and asked if I had anything that I could rub on her tits. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, really? Yeah. That that happens? Okay. Um, but Joe admits that in the Bronx, there was a guy in a Trans Am. At yeah. some point in the past, we have no idea when. They circled each other for three hours, then a Winnebago got between them and she lost them. Yeah. And they never, ever connected again. And that's literally the end of the story. Yeah. It's like, well, that's depressing and I want to kill there, myself now. There was no possible <laughs> way she could have, you know, found him when a Winnebago got between them. It's the yeah. possible way in the Bronx. Yeah. Cruise for her in... to have found him ever again. Yeah. Never went cruising again in the Bronx. This guy never came back. I just, okay, fine. We'll, we'll go with that. But for some reason, that's like the sort of, as the episode is winding down and then it's like, well, I'm tired. Let's go home. Yeah. You want to make one more lap? Yeah. Okay. That's fine. And yeah. then how do we end? What's the big chipper, happy, uplifting ending, Matthew? Oh my God. The guy, the radio announcer, again, this would never have happened. Never in the history of radio DJs with call-in shows had they ever said, I'd like to give a shout out to this person who's been trying all night, yeah. Tootie Ramsey, and she screams. Yeah. What? I she mean, does, I get it, but why not? Like, I don't, I don't know. She does say earlier that um, 
she's making a name for herself. Like every every time they pull over and she calls in, the DJ's like, nope, you're not it, but keep on trying. You're really, you know, I admire your spirit or your spunk or something like that. Of course, the big thing is like, you don't tell them your name. You know, it's like, hi, I'm Tootie Ramsey. Am I the fifth caller? It's but maybe she did. Maybe, I can totally her, hear. She fucking would, yeah. I can totally hear it. But the last thing is he dedicates the song and it is Dancing Queen by Not Abba. By Lisa Welchel. <laughs> Let's go with it. I think it's great. I promise you. And you listen to it and think that it's Lisa Welchel, you'll hear it. You'll hear I will. It. Okay. Well, that's our homework for uh, the, the post homework after the episode. Yeah. So and that's where the episode ends. Ta-da. My only other note was just pointing out that due to this being so technically different than anything we have seen before, it's I, I wonder if Boab was brought in as a new director because it was different or if it just happened to fall like they hired him and went, oh, well, this is the script we're producing this week. Hmm. Because what a weird introductory episode for him to do in that it is like nothing that precedes it and nothing that will follow. Yeah. And uh, and the other thing I will say is it couldn't have been easy because they clearly had multiple cameras on whatever the rig was that was pulling the car. But in order to get Natalie and Tootie in the back seat, there were very close-up close-ups. Like yeah. there was the, the visual rhetoric, as it were. All of the girls, when they had a single shot, there weren't no head and shoulders. It was just head. Yeah. And, and for that, and I mean, and they're all gorgeous. They're all young. They all have amazing skin. It, it, was, it worked out totally fine. But it was fascinating to be getting this up close and personal with them. Yeah. It almost felt the... Um, you almost felt the sort of claustrophobic uh, air of uh, being in a car with them, Matthew, wouldn't you say? I think so. A car that did not steal any scenes because it was brown and it was a Cadillac. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's because all the exterior shots were literally just, if you see a generic car, just the standard boxy car shape, nothing unique about a silhouette, film it. We're going to use it as B-roll. <clears throat> that could be what the fuck they did. I think that's exactly what they did. Yes. All right, Matthew. Lovely. Nailed it. Nailed it. Another one. Boom. Dropping the mic, but don't drop the mic because it's expensive. Uh, Yes. So we've got uh, some more. We still need to, at some point, record our TV Talkaholic episode for the Patreon before the end of the month. We have some time, but we have to be thinking about what's our New Year's selection going to be. Mm. be giving it some thought oh, and man. uh well sweet pea parting love- is such sweet sorrow but it is there is a sweetness to it isn't there here is there <clears throat> yeah you're for for bit. you okay uh, no, wow i thought you seemed like okay ready to go okay yeah wow all right well until what? next time what i love you huh? what <laughs> so Matthew, darling, until next time, happy holidays, and I love you, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, hopefully. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. (laughs) And there you have it. That was Matthew Arder 
few little post-show points to be made. Um, multiple things here, actually. First of all, uh, the version of Sugar Pie Honey Bunch at the beginning of the show, Matthew was right. That was a karaoke version. There was no vocal being played over the radio track. So Natalie and Tootie and the girls were all just singing along like they were at a karaoke bar. Crazy. Secondly, his question about the dimes. I did go back and check the full-length episode. Yes, it is true. Tootie did not have a dime earlier. And then later at the, the drive-in diner, Natalie does say, going through Tootie's stuff, she only has seven dimes. The only thing I could do to maybe give Paul Haggis the benefit of the doubt, and you know I'm not particularly keen to do that, Tootie does say that she had to ask a bum for change earlier meaning she did not have a dime and was grossed out because the bum went into his shoe to make her the change, yada, yada. But I guess it's possible the bum gave her, let's, let's not use the word bum, the homeless person gave her 10 dimes for a dollar. So she may have used three of them to make the phone calls with seven remaining in her purse when Natalie goes in there. That could be the thing. Ugh, that's awfully... That's an awful lot of thinking for an awfully tiny, tiny little plot point. And you know, I don't usually like to do that. Lastly, Dancing Queen at the end of the show does sound like Lisa Welchel. In fact, I'm going to share it with you right now. Have a listen to this. Huh? Yeah? Don't you agree? I'm, I'm with Matthew. I think they grabbed Lisa and said, hey, you want to sing? And she's like, fuck yeah, I want to sing. So they laid her down on the vocal track. Let's just uh, make that uh, a rumor that eventually becomes true because I love it. So those were the only additional points for the show. Uh, the only other thing is uh, it is the Christmas season. It's coming up in just a week and a half at this point. And you know what I want for Christmas? You know, all would make me happy for Christmas if you're listening right now and you haven't gone to iTunes and left a review and rated the show, I would so appreciate it. Every podcast begs people to do that, and it does help. It really, legitimately does help us and help other listeners to find my show. So if you could, if you haven't yet, I would so, so appreciate it and thank you very deeply. Now, next week, my special guest is going to be a returning guest, actor, singer, theater tech, amazing cook and baker, and uh, he also happens to be my roommate, Justin Schneier. He and I are going to be watching Season 6, Episode 6, Taking a Chance on Love, Part 1. And you can watch the show ahead of time for free at dailymotion.com. I'll post a link in the show notes and on this episode's webpage. That's all for now. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was created, produced, written, hosted, and edited by me, David Almeida. My theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Visit my website, facethefactspod.com, for supplemental photos and videos, audio extras from the digital cutting room floor, links to my social media, and ways that you can support the show financially. 
Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts. <laughs>